Welcome to another episode of It's Not About You with Jamal, Marianne, and Cousin Todd. Oh, yeah. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to It's Not About You podcast. Uh, I am your host, Jamal Harrington. Alongside with me is my other hosts, the beautiful Marianne Riley and the very, very equally beautiful cousin Todd. Uh, oh, thank you. I feel so special. <laughs> I'm very excited. Uh, <laughs> I'm very excited about um, our guest. Every time the movie uh, Runner Runner comes on somebody's platform, I remember we watched it together. I'm like, oh, that's where I remember that movie from and that person from. Uh, very, very funny, talented comedian who now lives in Vegas, the very hilarious big Irish Jay Hollingsworth. What up, uh, guys? What's up, um, what's up? What's up, dude? How's it going? Good. Living the dream, man. I'm all amped up on the, a new Kruger, Cougar coffee maker I just got. So I'm, uh, I'm, I got caffeine racing through my veins right now. Kruger? As think... in like Freddy Kruger? Yeah. Is it Kruger or Cougar? Or Kru- I, I think Kruger? it's Keurig. Keurig. Keurig I think we it... <laughs> okay. Well, Kruger like, sounds Kruger. awesome. <laughs> it's like... I was about to say, what's her name? <laughs> the Cougar coffee. That's, whoa, hello, hey. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm using the wrong brew here. (laughs) The kind of coffee that is designed to be ground up and shoved in the freezer. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, (laughs) To attract a cougar. Yeah. Well, I was thinking Kruger, but yeah, cougars, yeah. Okay. And like some cougars, it tastes like shit, this coffee. But. (laughs) Oh, man. Awesome. Oh boy. Oh, there we go on that one. <laughs> I you can swear on this, by the way, right? Oh fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I love it when people ask that like yeah. moments after we've already played the theme song, like, oh by the way, there's a question I was supposed to ask. Can we fucking curse on this thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh yes, by, by all means. Like it I would be worried if you I would be worried and scared if you didn't. You yeah. know, like but when nobody <laughs> asks when nobody asks and they're just like, oh, darn it, or fiddlesticks, it's like, oh, this this person hasn't heard us curse yet. Like, that's, Especially like, me. Me not cursing, you probably would be like, are you all right? You sick? Are you feeling oh. okay, Jay? <laughs> Can we curse on your podcast? Like, do people curse on your podcast, Jay? Do you, like, people oh. give a shit? No, yeah. You, we have, so, you know, our, our all of our, all of you guys know Manny Martin, who's yeah. on, uh, Who's on the Hollingsworthless uh, program podcast, and uh, we have a thing called PC Manny, where when we, whenever we say the most fuck, fucked up thing, we'll be like, "PC Manny, can you clean that up?" Because you know, PC uh, Manny works in corporate America, and he'll he'll just it, he rattles it off and never stumbles, but he'll just be like, "Yeah, we just want to say here at the Hollingsworthless program that we, you know this is a comedy podcast, so we may see." I mean, it's just it's hilarious. The, the, but so that way we say anything, and then we just have Manny PC it up. We used to have to do that when we were on the radio show. It's like we had to make sure that we put the disclaimer on there that our show, this was the views of the people on our show and not the radio station. If you had any hate mail, please send it to and we give our emails right. and socials and, and come hook us up and, and yell at us in person and yeah. you know. And file that in the trash yeah. bin. <laughs> yeah, we I think we got tired of saying that so therefore thanks to like the new platforms that we're on we're just like look fuck you 
yeah. and just deal with it. Like, yeah. you know, we, we got tired of just being like, oh, yeah, the views and, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's just like, no, no, these are my views. Right. Like, yeah. You know, I, I, I purposely, is, like, marked all, all of my, the podcasts that he was explicit just because I do not want to spend the time editing out all, every fucking f- and shit oh. that I've ever said. I'm yeah, not doing it's, it. <laughs> it's so crazy to have to go in and, you know, and, you know, it's really interesting to me in today's day where people, when it comes to things like swearing, I don't think that I would trust anybody who didn't swear. If you didn't say, you know, pop out an occasional shit or fuck or you know, especially fuck, like that's, that's my favorite word. Yeah. Okay. That's absolutely my, you know, Jay, you're Irish, so you know, uh, Irish, that's our favorite word. Right, right. Like, it, we sprinkle that liberally throughout all of our conversation, and yeah. and, and sometimes it's it, it comes off as feck just because you know our cousins yeah. will say that. Yeah, I have a it's, shirt that uh, that I or merch that it's F A H K. Fuck, fuck, fuck in Boston. Yeah, fuck. Uh, I was gonna say. Uh, Fuck! Now I forgot what I was gonna say though. Uh, oh, the the when you were saying like in this day and age or whatever, it's also uh, it's a sign of intelligence. Uh, people that curse. Fuck it, eh? And uh, there's been studies, and they say that you know uh, intelligent people curse. And uh, and also when I worked in corporate America way back when, um, I remember there was a report that was talking about that like cursing is actually good in the workplace. It's like yeah. a, almost like a bonding thing with your your you yeah. know your subordinates or whatever you want to say i think you know it's funny because i like uh the f- i had a job interview a while back and it was working for a very huge conglomerate and which i don't usually do and it was the shock i was meeting with the the president of this 17 billion dollar a year company and I was talking about the work, you know, the kind of people that I work with. And I said, and you know, I'm used to working with suits like yourself and then people all the way down that their biggest fear is being, you know, fresh out of the pen. And their biggest concern is being considered a PAB. And he looked at me and he goes, what's a PAB? And I looked at him and I said, punk ass bitch. <laughs> and he was just like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and so when the, they brought the next person into the interview, he's like, so, uh, Chris, do you know what a PAB is? And, he, and he's like, no, uh, John, I don't believe I do know what a PAB is. He goes, why don't you tell him what a PAB is? <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, when I left the interview, they called me and they said that was the fastest interview to hire we've ever done. Wow. <laughs> and they're like, it took them like 15 minutes. That's but hilarious. They, was... But they said, they'll never forget you. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah. I don't know. But I'll... it was so, they weren't used to, so, and that's why I tried to tell them, like, if you is kind of the work I do though is is that you if you're not relatable and if you're not somebody who's down to earth you're not going to be approachable or you you're not going to be somebody that people are going to want to work with. If you're corporate America and all you're dealing with is suits, that's fine. Then be you know, but even then, you know, I have a hard time believing if, if they don't occasionally drop an F bomb, yeah. I've got a problem with that, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd I mean, say, I, Oh, go ahead. I, I work with an, uh, my boss is an Italian guy, and when I say Italian guy, I mean forget about he's it. <laughs> he's fucking Italian. Like you, I, every time I walk up to him with like either an issue or whatever, I just want to order a pizza from him. Like just like like hey, can you do me a favor and not put too much like you know anchovies on it? And um, 
but but no, he's Italian as fuck, and I love him because sometimes you know, and, and we curse. I mean, we curse a lot. I mean, like we have drivers and 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 and, and just like warehouse guys, and I, I mean, forget the fact that we curse. We make fun of just we make fun, and now and and the fact that I'm a comedian, they're just like, oh, you could you could appreciate this or whatever, and I I can laugh at myself. I don't really you know, I I, I don't care. But uh, th- but it's it's not just like you have to show some kind of emotion. And my boss shows so I've seen my boss throw things, and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. I just clap. I'm like, ah. Oh. And that's why I love where I work because we do have an HR, but the HR is more like a suggestion. You know, like <laughs> they're just there just to be like, okay, we're just gonna okay, record fine. this call. We're gonna record this call. The fact that you're calling us to make us work, we're, we're very offended by that. And, and it's almost like, okay, we'll take down your complaint, but they, they're like a marriage counselor. Can, can you guys work it out? Like, we don't want to have to put, we don't want to have to put in paper on you guys. You know what I'm saying? Just, just you guys are all adults. Act like it, you fucking dicks. You know, yeah. like, like my, my month doesn't go by well until I see like a chair being thrown and I'm just like, oh, wow. Yeah. My boss is here. Um, <laughs> and and I love it. Like it, I, I love it. And it's just like, and I, hey, what's wrong? These fucking people. And I'm just like, oh wow, I should not have. Asked. Oh man. Yeah, I used to I used to tell my team when I was a ops manager at Yahoo. I was head of the small business division, and I would tell my team, I would like, uh, I will never swear at you, but I will swear a lot. <laughs> you know, it's going to be swearing, and I'll never be like. You fucking, you know, I'll never swear at you, but I'll be like this fucking issue here or whatever, you know. And uh, our our motto, our team motto, way back when was, uh, which I kind of created was, it is what it is, because like you know, shit shit changes so much in tech, and like um, I had a bunch of tech guys that were like customer service uh, working under me, and and you know they roll out a new thing at Yahoo, and I would you know we'd have a meeting and discuss it, and then people are bitching. And then I, oh, I would man. always be like, okay, look, it is what it is. We can sit here and I'll let everybody vent for the next like 20 or 30 minutes. And then we still have to do it. Or we can just <laughs> be like, fuck it. Let's do it. Figure out what's, how's it going to be? What's it going to be like? And then move forward instead of just wasting all this time bitching and moaning. So were you at a call center, Jay? Uh, yeah, I was, uh, it was in Hillsborough, Oregon. Okay. Um, I started as a tech support rep. Then I was supervisor of the. Uh, small business division, then became the ops manager of all of small business. Oh wow! And then I got out, and they went to shit. <laughs> Not because of me, but you know, oh, well, maybe. Clearly, it's because you left. I mean, honestly. Okay. So when did you make Jay? You're full time. All you do now is straight up. Your income is solely comedy. When yes. did you make that transition? Uh, <laughs> that'll be the tagline, Jay. When did you make your transition? <laughs> um, <laughs> No, um, I actually was, um, so I started in Boston and then, uh, I got laid off from my day job in Boston, moved to Seattle and, uh, I was getting crazy amount of unemployment because at the time I, I qual- Massachusetts had the highest amount of unemployment of any state if you qualified for it. And I did qualify for it. So I think I was getting 653 a week in un- unemployment and, um, uh, I, when I moved to, uh, to Seattle, um, I, I moved in with a buddy of mine, Jaron, and I just, I paid 500 a month flat. Right. So, uh, I was at the time I was like, I got no excuse to not just bust my ass and, and outwork everybody and hit every open mic. 
so I did that. I was collecting unemployment and doing open mics and, and you know, working and really trying to become a better comic uh, that first year in Seattle. And then, like, the second year of Seattle, in Seattle, I got the job at the parlor as the house MC. So I went from basically unemployment to then I, all I was doing was making money off of stand-up. I mean, that was my only income. And then I did that for about three years, and the manager of the parlor was just a cunt and uh, just, uh, which, you know, if you know him, you know. And so I remember I hit up a buddy of mine. I didn't need to do, I didn't need more income, but I, I hit up a buddy of mine that worked at a job placement. Uh, and I told him, I was like, look, I want to get another job so that my money from the, the parlor is, is a paycheck. It's not my only paycheck. So he actually hooked me up. I won't say the place because he hooked me up. I got a, I, I got, I was, I got a job, quote unquote. Um, I don't even know what I was supposed to be doing, but he straight up told me um, that because the place he got me a job at, it's huge corporation, and my direct supervisor there at that place, I used to do martial arts with, and so they both were like, well, look, we know that comedy is your thing, so they both told me they like you don't have to do anything, but just look like you're doing something, oh, just look shit. busy. So I literally would just, I would go to this, like you, and this place, you had an opportunity, or you had the option, you could work 6 a.m. to 3 p.m., or 10 a.m. to, I think, 6 p.m., and what I would do is I would come in at 10 a.m., and I would leave at 3 p.m., and uh, and so I did that for, like, and I was making crazy good money. I was doing that for, like, I think about a year, and then my buddy at this company not the job placement guy, but the my buddy that I dire directly uh, reported to, he left, and some new dude came in, and he was looking at everybody's numbers, and he looked at mine, and he was like, this guy's fucking doing nothing. So he was going to let me go, and my buddy that got me in there, he was all guilty and sad. He was like, dude, I got to let you go. You know, this new guy was like, I go, I get him unemployment though, right? And he goes, yeah. I go, cool, bro. No problem. I go, this is a fucking win-win. <laughs> And then shortly after that, so I, I mean, I've been making money off comedy and I could hypothetically have just lived off comedy for God, since like 2010 or 11. But um, when I moved to L.A., I drove Lyft and Uber while I was getting kind of acclimated there. I did that for maybe about six or seven months. Um, and then, yeah, and then other than that, uh, it's been pretty much all stand up. Um, all from and then I'll get like writing gigs. I wrote on a game show for about a year and a half Ooh. in LA called Funny You Should Ask, Byron Allen's uh, knockoff oh. of Family, not Family Feud, but uh, what's the Tic Tac Toe one? Um, Tic Tac Toe? Hollywood Squares, yeah. <laughs> it's basically Hollywood Squares without the Tic Tac Toe shit. Um, gotcha. And I wrote on that for about a year and a half pretty good money for just writing stupid dad jokes <laughs> and then nice. and then i would also do shit with like all deaf i would write uh, i write their dad joke shit um for their dad joke battles and and sketches and shit like that so comedy in general i pretty much have been living off of since uh, about 2010 or 11 oh, roughly wow. yeah it was a long fucking answer sorry <laughs> no that's fine it was actually it was really interesting though because there's a lot of times a lot of times we deal with like a lot of comics and what we talk about is is the people that are doing the, the day job and then doing you know hustling at night and stuff like that and trying you know it's nice to see somebody who's made that transition to that's all that they do 
I mean, and it, I mean, because there's there's a lot of there's a, a lot of courage involved in, in cutting strings from your day job and giving up things like health insurance and sure. you know a, a regular fucking paycheck. And I, you know, I clearly I like to eat and I like to have a roof over my head, so that's something. And I don't like to sleep in my car, so yeah. You know, that that was something that I've never, you know, but being also a single mom, I mean, but, you know, making that, you know, while I was a single mom and then getting that house and then you put those roots down and you're like, fuck, this is pretty nice to have my own house. And I did that like 11 years ago. And then, you know, I, that's when I remodeled, sold it and bought this one. But it's like, I couldn't see myself like it took, I struggled so hard to get to that point, you know? That to the idea of giving it up and, and not having health insurance. I mean, fuck, I'm a walking accident waiting to happen half the time. So, so yeah. that uh, funny you say that the and that's something that, I mean, I don't like lose sleep over, it, but I think about it from time to time. Like I just turned 50 and I I got to get the finger up the asshole, uh, and I haven't done it yet because I don't have any insurance. Um, but it's funny because when I got the job at that corporate place and got insurance, I immediately was like. Let's fucking do it all. Whatever I need. I got knee surgery and shit like that. When I got the uh, writing gig in L.A. a few years ago, um, we were hired as independent contractors, and we were that way for about a year, so no insurance. And then they figured out that uh, if they didn't give us insurance, that they were going to have to pay a penalty for all of us. So they were like, good news and bad news. Good news, you guys are going to be actual employees. You're going to get benefits, but then we're going to go on hiatus in a month. So... I remember it was May 1st, I got uh, benefits, and I think like May 3rd, I went in to get my knee checked, a different knee, and I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I have one month, basically, to find out what's wrong with my knee, get an appointment to fix it, and and start the rehab, and that's what I did. I had a a partial knee replacement in a month's time, Um, but I I, I do think about that shit all the time with not having benefits and, and insurance and um, I've been talking to a friend of mine about trying to figure out getting it here in, uh, here in Vegas. Um, but uh, I was going to ask you, uh, with what you were talking about with the house and, and being like settled and everything, like I've moved around so much in my life before comedy and during comedy. Like I lived in, I grew up in, in Portland, Oregon and kind of the Northwest. I, I lived in before comedy, I lived in Seattle and then I've lived in Sacramento, Tampa, Boston, uh, Phoenix for a little bit and LA and now Vegas and uh, coming out of the pandemic. And like I was telling you guys before, there's so much work here. Uh, like when I go on the road now, I'm kind of like, fuck, I kind of like just working in town. I mean, it's, it's very similar to New York in that you have a very diverse audiences. It's changing every night. Um, and uh, the pay is good and being able to just go do two sets uh, you know, a night and then come home to like, I got a dog. I have a, my fucking dog here and sleep in my own bed. It's fucking great, you know? So I'll go out on the road and I'm like, I kind of miss like doing the cellar for a week. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's, it's crazy. Cause I actually, I used to live in Vegas and back before I had kids and, you know, a lifetime ago, I, I love Vegas, but I'll never live there again. I actually was just down there last month and I'm like, you know what? Fuck Vegas. I think I'm done with you. I'm breaking up. You know, I'm finally making that breakup. I have family down there. But, you know, there's, and I, like you, I grew up, I, I've changed houses. We moved three times a year. Yeah, so for yeah. me, I, you know, and I think that gives us a great ability to be able to deal with change. And I think one of the hardest things people have is dealing with change. 
And for me, I'm like, fuck it, let's do this. Quit a job, sure, fuck you, moving on. You know, or lost your job, yeah, so where's my unemployment? And then I'll go find something else. Who cares? It happens, you know? Yeah. Especially in, in my industry of like construction, you're always looking for a job. And so you don't have that that panic as much, but it's a lot different. Like the longest I've ever lived anywhere it was my house that I just sold. It would, next month would have been 12 years that mm. I had. And that's the longest I've ever, I'm 52. I've never lived anywhere longer than three years. So I totally get that. <laughs> three years seems like, I, at that point, I'm like, okay, it's time to move. You know, I never thought I would ever have a house. And so it was so strange to make that settled. And I'm like, wow, this actually, you know, this is mine. I can do whatever I want. Nobody can kick me out. Nobody can tell me I can't paint my walls purple with green spots on it. Fuck you, it's mine. And so it kind of changed that whole attitude. And so now I'm kind of like, I, I, I kind of, oh shit, now I got to get serious about, you know, employment and really what I'm going to do. And, but I'm also looking at it at this age, retirement sounds really good. Yeah. And I never thought that I would ever want to do that either, but I'm like, retirement sounds really, really good. <laughs> like, I don't want to work for anybody anymore and I could go do what I want. Right. Yeah, 100%. Hopefully I'll make that transition. I feel jealous of all these comics that you find out that were veterans and they have a hundred percent disability. I'm like, oh fuck, no wonder you're able to fucking live and do whatever you want and do comedy and not be like, you know, sleeping in your car and sneaking into hotel rooms when they're the maids are between the rooms and jump in there and take a shower and you know. I, I love like uh I love those those stories though, the success stories. Like um like Sebastian Maniscalco, who's now one of the biggest, you know, touring, you know, sells out fucking Madison Square Garden. But I remember the Vince Vaughn documentary, Wild West Comedy Tour, where he went out. That was his first thing, like his first big break. And the tour's coming to an end, and they're like all celebrating. Man, man, it's been a great tour, blah, blah, blah. And Sebastian at that time was crying. And they're like, why are you crying? He's like, man, I just think about I got to go back to waiting tables when we go back to L.A., and uh, I've heard him talk in interviews about how what we were talking about. He didn't want to be a comic that was sleeping on somebody's couch and this and that. So yeah. he kept his day job uh, for a, probably a lot longer than some would. And he would he would be waiting tables at this very fancy restaurant, go to the comedy store in his fucking waiter outfit, do his set, and then go back and bust tables. You know, and uh, I mean, it's all just, you know, like whatever you got to do to achieve your dream. And so. I love I love like those stories of struggle and you made it happen somehow, you know. Right, and that's and they, that's what, one of the things that they say is is the difference between somebody who is successful at it and somebody who failed at it is the person who's successful got up one more time and did it one more time. Yeah, you know? never and gave up. Yeah, and it's when you're at that point where you're ready to quit that it things start coming out. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've quit comedy. Fuck, this is bullshit. I can't fucking believe it. I'm tired of this. And bring Marianne, hey, we got a show you want to be booked on. He's like, hell yeah, where, when and where, how much do you I'm back know, in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. You can't, that's an addiction that you can't end. I, uh, I work two jobs. So, like, I go into work at 7, I leave at 3, I go to my other job at 4, I leave at 7, and I carry a backpack. So, if I have to do a comedy show... Um, I'll have like a change of shirt or something and I'll just throw it on with my work pants on. Like I'm very, uh, I am very 
um, like self-aware when I'm on stage. Like I like to look good when I'm on stage, but sometimes it's like, okay, I got to do this gig. Depending on the, if I got to go to a comedy club, like I'll have like an extra pair of pants, but it's like when it's in your backpack for a long time and you have like other things in there, it gets all wrinkly and shit. So I'm just like, okay, I'm going to throw it on. But luckily for me, the shows don't start at around eight o'clock, maybe eight thirty. So when I work my second job, for the most part, I'm in the city. So mm. I'm probably like twenty minute train ride away from you know from anywhere, you know, depending on where I'm at. And I'll just show up and I'll have like you know, and it's just you know, and I just think to myself, well, this is some of the things that if you're very passionate about, you know, if you're passionate about comedy, this is what you do. Like I've seen I've seen people like you were just saying, Jay, like they just come in in like their security outfit because they had to duck out for an hour, do the show, and they're in their like securitized outfit, and then they run back to, you know, run back to the wherever they're supposed to be guarding. And it's just like, yeah, you know, um, funny is funny for the most part. It doesn't matter how you dress. I mean, as long as you have clothes on, I guess. But yeah, if you're if you're very passionate about what you're gonna do, you're not gonna make any excuses. You're just gonna be like, well, let me just throw on a clean shirt or you know, let me duck out for a little bit. This is part of what 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 you want to do. I don't think a guy who wants to be who's a security guard is trying to be a security guard if he's doing comedy. Like he's he's looking for an out, and usually comedy is an out. Right. The other thing, I uh, my buddy Sean kind of balances my head. Like if I ever get in my head about just bitching about whatever related to comedy, like oh fuck, why isn't this happened or whatever it may be. Uh, he's always, he, he, he helps me remember, like, he's like, you looking, you're looking at things at like a micro level. He's like, you got to go back and look at a bigger thing. And, and then that makes me refocus about, I, I always think about when I, my first year in going to Nick's comedy stop in Boston, there's some guy's name on the marquee. I have no idea who he is. I, I couldn't tell you who it was back then. And I remember, you know, my first year in comedy going in, watching this dude, and it kind of clicking in my head, and I'm like, wait, this guy, you're saying this guy goes around the country telling jokes, and he pays his bills and makes a living at that. And back then, I remember being like, dude, if I could ever just get to that level, I've fucking made it. And, you know, and then you get there, and then you're like, it's it's never enough, uh, which I think is, is fine as comics. Like, we're always trying to, you, you know, you're always trying to improve in this and that. But also, we got to sometimes, I think, think about like dude i fucking I, I tell fucking dick jokes and make a living and pay I, have a, I, I pay my rent and fucking you know and and also what is making it to to each person you know like um is it is it is it that being able to pay your bills maybe the world doesn't you know on the grand scale doesn't know you uh but are you you're res, are you respected by fellow comics do they know you're a crusher and and they respect you and you, you go up and you you can fucking bury this whoever this well-known comic is uh you know, so I mean, it's like it's all, I guess, what you what you want and uh, and what is making it to you as a comic. You know, you know, it's interesting you say that because I want to. We have to kind of address this, and I know <clears throat> it's something in this is kind of. We found out yesterday that that Brad Brake died, <clears throat> and um, Brad was Canadian, but he was also really huge here in the Seattle Tacoma comedy scene, and I know that we've all worked with him. Yeah. Um, well, you guys did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, us comics have worked yeah, with them. Yeah. And, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, and so, Todd, you can sit back and listen to some of our stories because Sounds Brad good. was, Brad was um, a fucking hot mess. Yeah. He was a fucking hot mess. He was crazy, batshit fucking crazy, 
but Vouch. always, always, you knew you were going to walk away with a story. Didn't matter. Oh, yeah. If Brad was there, you knew something was going to happen. Something's going down, and you're going to have something to remember. And so, Jay, we were talking kind of earlier that you said you had a couple of Brad Briggs. I, I have to hear your Brad Briggs. All right. Uh, well, I'll, there's two that are specific to me, and then there's also – uh, did you guys have you guys ever heard the story about him getting the Seattle International Comedy Competition kicked out of one of the casinos? Yeah. Yeah. And my story is kind of related to what I guess he did there. So um, my first story, I was I was hosting some show in Seattle and he was the headliner. And so, you know, we're going through the lineup. I'm bringing everybody up. I bring Brad up. And by the way, and Brad would always, he would always crush, you know, whatever you, you may have thought about what his material was or whatever, but he would fucking crush. And so uh, this night he ended his set by uh, taking a, lighting a cigarette and then putting it in his asshole on stage. uh, I can't remember what, I don't know what this well-written bit was, but then he takes the the Uh fucking cigarette out of his asshole takes it up to his lips, takes a drag of it, and then flicks it into the audience. And you just saw the audience part like the Red Sea. And then I, and that was his closing bit, uh, his closing bit. And then I went up and I, I, I don't, I'm just like cracking up. And I, I think I said something like that cigarette, it, you might as well put like a murder outline around it because nobody would fucking come anywhere near it. Um, that was like my, one of my fucking memorable stories with Brad. And then another one was a fucking prank we played on Brad because, like, Brad, if you ever worked with him, he he just wanted to work. He would – he just – and he would t- take any gig uh, as long as you could drive him there. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah. so I think it was Phil Fox, uh, our buddy, uh, you know, if you may, may or not know him, the listeners, but – and Phil's a little crazy, but uh, we played a prank on, on uh, Brad. I think I called Phil – and he said he was talking to Brad. And I was like, oh, tell him. Uh, basically, he made up this thing that I was some booker uh, from overseas. Or, or I, I wanted to book him for this overseas gig or something. So I called him. And I think I, like, faked my voice a little bit. But basically, I was like, yeah, we want to hire you uh, to come over here. I can't remember where we said. Maybe we said Europe, whatever. But I, but I started going through. I was like, yeah, so Phil tells me you're a stand-up comic. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I'm a stand-up comic. And so then I just started, I was like, can you do like impressions? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I do impressions. Then I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then could you maybe like, do you, could you do stuff with like ventriloquism? Could you like bring a dummy? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do it. And it, we kept doing it to where I wanted to see if it, what he would agree to. And he literally, didn't matter what I brought up, he agreed to it. I was like, can you like tap dance maybe? Could you do like some tap dance? He goes, yeah, I do tap dance. And I was like, okay, cool. I mean, it literally was like 15 minutes that I kept throwing the most random shit out. And he just, everyone, he was like, yes. So we never, at the end of that call, we never told him that we were fucking with him. And then about a week later, Phil was like, hey, Brad's hitting me up asking me, what's the deal with this overseas gig? So I was like, okay, I'll fucking call him. So I called him. And I remember I called him and he didn't have my number saved, I think. So he was, I was like, hey, what's up, Brad? And he's like, who's this? I was like, you don't know who this fucking is? And he's like, no, I, I was like, and then I was, I, so then I fucking told him and he was just like, you piece of shit. And I was like, we're having fun, Brad. It's jokes. I was like, maybe if you saved my number, you would have known. 
but those are those are like <laughs> two of my memories. And the, and the uh, the banning of the Seattle International. I guess he did something similar um, up at. It was like and there was like some of the uh, Native American chiefs, I guess, at this casino were like in the front row. And Brad oh, no. did the. He was competing in it and took a cigarette. And I think put it in his asshole, and I don't know if he flicked it into the stage or whatever, but they were like, yeah, you guys are not welcome to do the Seattle International here ever again. <laughs> oh, shit. It only takes one to ruin it for everybody. Fucking Brad. Oh, God. Isn't, isn't there a story floating out there that he put his nuts in someone's drink at a club? <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty, yeah, like, like that story... <laughs> under Brad break files um so yeah I almost thought that he did that at a, com- at a comedy show and he was either suspended or banned um I'm not sure if it was at the, the comedy if it was at the comedy underground because I have booked him on a show at the comedy underground and um actually it was like one of my first Jamco shows that I did at the comedy underground with him and he was in the break room and like in the green room, and he's like walking around pacing, and and and, and he was at like we were talking like it's me and it was me and a bunch of comics in the room, and he started just doing impressions. He was doing like Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, rock, Macho Man Randy Savage, like oh, yeah. he was doing all these impersonations, and then he did the monologue for any given Sunday as Al Pacino, like the coach, and then. It was just so fun. And I had it, the fuck the things, I had it recorded. And I'm looking for the recording because I want to post it. It was so funny because he's just talking about staying in the pocket. Like he just mm-hmm. drips off. He's like, one thing you should do. Hey, always remember in comedy, man, stay in the pocket. And um, it's funny because Jokey Pollywall now lives in New York. And me and him, we, we met up when we were having drinks and we were talking. And uh, I don't know where, you know, we talked. Uh, Brad Brake comes up and he was like, you want to know one thing that I've learned about that guy? He's like, what did I stay in the pocket? I'm like, yeah, that's what he tells me all the time. He's like, yo, Jamal, stay in the pocket, yo. And um, and and that's just something that I've like, that's just something I've always I've taken with me, you know. It was just, and then after a while though, like I haven't heard from Brad in like a long time, and I was trying to look him up the other day to see, you know, where's where he's at or what he's up to, and then I get this news, and I'm like, well, fuck, there goes. There goes my search. My search is over, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, now that we know what he knew and, um, you know, I, I was actually on a train going to a show and I read about that and I was just so I, I was kind of bummed out because I'm just like, Brad is, is such a funny, a good dude, very funny. And I'm just like, fuck, why him? You know? Yeah. Really likable guy. Is it so that, just so you listeners know, he had one of his bits that he was known for was. Randy Macho Man, and he would do the impressions of both of them. Randy Macho Man Savage and Hulk Hogan fucking. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, dude. It, and it would destroy. <laughs> oh, God. It was hilarious. And oh, dude. It, 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 I remember we were standing outside uh, Grit City Comedy Club one day, and there was a, just a whole bunch of us. We were doing some kind of contest or something. And. We're, so all the comics are outside. We're all standing around smoking. And this homeless person starts circling the group. And and Brad, and all of a sudden, he, he like just zeroed in on Brad. And he's like, hey, man, got to smoke? And Brad looks at me and he goes, 
why do they always come to me? I said, bull, you made eye contact. I'm like, you gotta ignore them, pretend like they don't exist. And he's like, I don't, I can't do that. And so, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, she was like, but God, we were, you know, you just, every time like he was around, I didn't like, he, he always was saying, so you gotta stay in the pocket, man, stay in the pocket. And like, he was trying to coach you up to get you ready to get on stage. It was always just so hilarious. It was always fun. I, I and I think Harold Gomez told me about Brad Brake before I met him. Like I just said that this guy's like a fucking whirlwind of and just you know uh, he's a train <laughs> crash and uh, but he's you know he gets the job done on stage and just fucking wild. And I, I, there was something he did at the underground that oh fuck at the time and the, again this is ten plus years ago, but I just remember I, I can't I can't remember what it was he did but all the comics at the open mic, we were all talking about it. I, I think he was doing an impersonation of, of somebody there. I, I can't remember, but it would just, I just remember all of us just going like, dude, that was fucking insane. Yeah. that I think that's usually what all of us said whenever Brad was there. That was yeah. fucking insane. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was, he was pretty crazy. The, the, one thing, the one thing that always drove me nuts and I, was always his closing bit with the thong like every time he did that i mean i knew it was coming but like i'll be like yo how much longer does brad have oh he's got like two minutes i'm like okay i'm gonna go use the bathroom because i know what's about to happen and oh, i can only see a man in a thong on stage <laughs> so many times before he's i'm just like describing this to a therapist yeah until you come right <laughs> <laughs> Like the first time he did that, he did, I mean, I saw it. He did it on my show, and I was like, "Wait, I, I don't think." It, I was like, what? "I didn't agree to this." Like, it almost turned into like a burlesque show. Oh, that's too that, funny. You know, like Brad telling jokes, and then next thing you know, he's wearing like this leopard print thong, God, and dude. like he's taking off his pants and he's like walking around the front row. I'm just like, I was, and then like. You know, there's, there's comics that I just like. You didn't know he did this. I was like, no. Like I've what, never what, seen what? him do this. Like I, I've seen his act before. I've seen his act before, but I mean, come on, not even a fucking warning, fellow comedian. Like, hey, I see that you got Brad on the show. You might want to like walk off, like walk away, like five minutes before he gets off because it gets weird. And that was supposed to. He's just walking around with a leopard thong. And oh, and the fucking thing about it is, I'm like, dude, you wore that here the whole time. Like, dude, you, I, I just was gonna this... say that is is yeah. Not only that, but then does he just wear that 24 every day? Because maybe he's gonna get a set somewhere out of the blue, and he's got to be prepared. So did he just always wear a leopard thong? Yeah. Oh, dude. It's, it's like it's like oh yeah, I'm oh, doing man. I'm doing like I'm doing a comedy show, and like you don't see him like adjusting himself a lot you know like damn this thong hurts you know like it's just like he's comfortable and yeah. he's just joking with you and and, and and at the same time it's like when you're up on stage like I'm thinking about stuff we just had a talk about like whatever came to mind and little did I know you're yeah. wearing a thong like yeah. you know and so like very likable on stage too yeah 
Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, he is. But it's like, I don't sit there talking to, like, random dudes being like, hey, boxes of briefs, you know? Like, because that's going to determine how long of a conversation I want to have with you. This gives me an idea. I think someone needs to create, like, a, 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 a Cards Against Humanity deck that is, like, all references to local comedians in Seattle. Because just like, you know, seeing seeing this gentleman on stage, you know, you know, I you said Break is his last name. So seeing, yeah. you know, having one of the answer cards be seeing Brad Break on stage or or in the song, you know, what was the last thing you saw Brad Break do on stage and then empty, you know, answer card and just put in and whatever. And then you can sell that to tens of people. Yep. <laughs> Tens of people. Just the Seattle community. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess. Is, oh, here's I got a question for you guys. Uh, I because I, I it's being a part of so many different scenes and uh, what is the drama like in New York, Jamal? Is there drama and what's it like in Seattle now? I mean, well, I can't really speak. Well, <laughs> I can't really speak for Seattle too much, but as far as New York goes, um, I don't, I don't know if there's. I mean, if there's drama, it's like, I mean, there's so many comics here, I can't even keep up. Like with Seattle, if somebody sneezes the wrong way, I could pick up on the drama like that. It's like, oh, somebody used the word "cunt" on stage, and now there's, you know, yeah, a fucking <laughs> argument over. Well, I'm like, wait, somebody, wait, I'm like, Jay doesn't live there anymore. How's that possible? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, you kind of related <laughs> to like, that. Hey. Uh, I'm sorry I to interrupt you I just, before I forget it, though. I came up there, I think it was like uh, for, maybe it was last comic standing auditions or something at the parlor, and I was doing the joke about all the all the women's favorite movies, like the, the chick cheats on guys, you know? So in the, in the joke, I yeah. say, you know, this movie, Titanic, she's a cheating whore. Notebook, she's a cheating whore, and then uh, and then the flip is I'm like, uh, pretty woman, she's an actual whore, right? And so, so you have to use that verbiage so you can get to pretty woman and say she's an actual whore. You can't, you can't just say like, oh, she's an adulterer, or she's cheating. You're like, oh, she's a cheating whore. This these movies, cheating whore, pretty woman, she's an actual whore. Somebody, I so I just came up to do that, went back to L.A., and then somebody sent it to me. Somebody in one of the local Seattle fucking stupid horseshit comedy groups said uh was talking about me and and they they were like he was on stage and he kept yelling at me that i was a cheating whore and i was like oh my god convolute this in your brain that i'm talking to you you fucking dummy i was like i do i have to explain how punchlines and and setups work i was just like jesus christ i think I I, i think i think somebody felt i think somebody felt guilty that you were on to them yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was probably some whore. Probably. Probably. <laughs> oh my god. I, I That's so funny. That's one of the hard things about Seattle is is that there is so much and man, I am fucking allergic to drama. I tell mm. people I work with a lot of new comics and one of the things that I try and tell them or other comics that are in my circle and I tell them all the time, be aware that drama is like you're swimming and there's a bunch of weeds underneath of you. And that's yeah. the drama. Be aware of that the weeds, but don't get down there and get tangled up in it. Because if you do, that's where you drowned. And that's where yeah. you stay. You will never yeah. get out of it. You Be aware of it, but stay the fuck out of that drama. It's not worth it. Don't let them engage you and just walk away. Yeah, it's like I always say, like, I'll watch the real Housewives of it, whatever. But I don't want to be on the show. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's and that's if that's what has to you have to be able to separate yourself from from doing that. And you know, if there's that drama is there, then you know, we're in a very very well pre-COVID very large metropolitan area where you can go create your own world, your own scene. Go get paid that way. You make a lot more money anyways. Mm. You know, and and the, the, a lot of people they just they they are so wrapped up in I can only do a comedy club. Well, you know what? If that comedy club's paying you nothing to do a weekend yeah. versus this gig over here that I, I set up, I have I I'm getting paid five hundred bucks tonight. So you go ahead and go do your comedy yeah. club. Which because it has to be a club, so you, you can have that prestige of doing a club and do it for free. I'll go take my money to the bank. Oh, and yeah, I'll, sure. I'll go tell dick jokes and, and not have to have to a bunch of drunks in a bar. You know, and have a great time. Yeah, just, I'm like, I'm a working comic. I'm, I, I work. I'm trying to, you know, fucking, I can't pay my rent with fucking chicken strips. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well, you know, we're, we're, you know, you want to come work for us, right? You, we're, we're a club. Who gives a fuck? You're, if you're not paying me, that's. I've been doing this for a long time. I'm not an open micer. You know, I'm not gonna like. Oh God, look at me. I got some stage time. On, you know, if you're hey, not. Hey, look, asking, I got exposure. Hey. Yeah, paid with exposure, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you can get frostbite from exposure. Yeah. I mean, and that's like saying, hey, I'm a comedian that has a podcast. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, it was interesting, yeah. though. Like, there is that, those different air levels of prestige. Like, when Jamal and I were doing the radio show, like, when we had the actual, like, everybody's like, oh, my God, you have a radio show. I was like, yeah, so what? You know, you don't have that same kind of, you know, you have some exposure, but it's it makes no fucking difference. That and a, cup, a fucking dollar will buy you a cup of coffee. You know, yeah. you have to be able to stop worrying about the prestige and, and the persona. And you know, yeah, you want something you got to to protect your brand, but do it smart and strategically. And it's still a business. Yeah, that's uh that's one thing. Being in L.A., uh, the brand thing. Like I, I just talked at Big Pine Comedy Festival about. Um, I think we were talking about auditions or something like that, but I was talking about uh, it's okay to say no to shit. Like, I, I remember I got hit up about um, a reality show where, like, hey, we want to have you for this reality show where the whole premise was big guys can do anything that regular-sized guys can do. And I was like, but we can't. And they are like, no, no, no. And, and then as I'm talking to them, I'm like, is this just a show about, hey, let's make fun of the fat guys? And they are like, no, 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 no. It's empowering, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll move forward. Let's see what this is about. And then I had a, a Skype meeting with them. I'm talking to a guy, like, straight on, and there's a lady behind him standing up. And uh, they're telling me more and more about it. And I'm, and they're like, can you, like, shit talk these, like, skinny guys? Give us an example of shit talking. I was like, oh, fuck, all right. So then, again, I asked him, I go, is this, again, is this just making fun of big dudes and they're the butt of the joke? And, they again, they were like, no, no, no. This is empowering, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as the guy finished saying that, the chick, like, brings her face into camera, and she goes, hey, uh, just for the camera, could you lift your shirt up and do a truffle shuffle? <laughs> oh, I my started, God. And I started laughing. I go, yeah, guys, this isn't the show for me. I got my own shit and my own brand. I'm not going to be the fucking butt of your joke on this shit. I don't care what exactly. it pays. You know, exactly. so it's okay to say no to shit. Oh, wow. 
Please. Absolutely. And that's something you should say no. You should yeah. be at a point where you say, if you're, it's one thing if you're hungry as an open micer and you're just trying to, to get as much stage time as you can, you should at that level. But once you've gotten to the level where you've done the grind and you've already, you know, you've already put into it all that time and you have something that's marketable, then you have to be able to protect that brand and know that it's marketable and know what direction you want to go because it's a business at that so, point. Yeah. So what if, what if what if what if the the person in, in question is known for doing stupid characters already? Well, well then, then that, I mean then that's your brand. If you're known for that, then that is your brand. But a I'm few, not known for that. A few <laughs> years ago, I, I I was I I had uh, I I ran across the actor who was. Did you guys ever see the movie uh, Basketball? Oh yeah, yeah. Little bitch. Trey Parker. And... Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, that guy, he was he was on Facebook saying, yeah, he posted a a uh, a photo of the new Hamburglar from McDonald's. He's like, there's no fucking way I'd ever do this. He's like, dude, you were a little bitch in that movie with Trey and Matt. <laughs> How would you not do this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got a I got a role on Two Broke Girls, playing a gay love interest, and I had to kiss the dude, and then they cut the scene. Oh shit! <laughs> but, wow. But the best part of wow. it when they, when when my uh, agent at the time when he told me that they cut the scene, I just started laughing because I started telling the whole story on stage, and and I obviously he was used to working with actors. He's like, "You're not upset," and I was like, "Nah, it gives the joke a better ending." That I went through all this shit, and then they yeah. fucking cut the scene. <laughs> Did the check clear at least? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got paid. That's all that matters. Yeah. Well, Jay, I know you have to, to head on out. Um, uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. Yeah. And uh, you know, we'll I would love to have you on again someday. You have some really fun stories and some good insight on the comedy world. For sure. Yeah. It was good seeing all you guys too. It's yeah. fucking. You know, we we're always like. All as comics, we're kind of like ships in the night a lot of times, you know. Yeah. And uh, so it's good to see everybody's. And by, before I leave, when we were talking about Brad Break, is it like I just have this feeling it's been like since COVID that you know people pass away and shit like that. But does I, for me it seems like over the last year and a half or whatever, just wild shit has been happening and and more more than usual. I I don't you know, and it's not not all of it is even COVID related. I mean. It's just fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it looks like it looks like yeah. all the shit that COVID, like from 2020, that was supposed to happen. It's like, okay, we're gonna download it on 2021 now. We're just gonna, yeah, like, right. you know. But yeah, no, you're right. Shit it's just has been, weird. Fucked up shit has been so, happening. So but how? Then, for the most part, that was because we were indoors and nothing was going on. So. Yeah. Yeah. So if if people want to see see you, Jay, where can they find you on the interwebs? Uh, BigIrishJ.com and BigIrishJ on everything. All social media, I'm BigIrishJ, and uh, yeah, that's the best bet. And you also have a podcast as well. You want to throw that out there? Sure. I got three of them. I got the Hollings Worthless program. I got Love in Black and White, which is a dating podcast and uh, or relationship, but it's also first, funniest first. That's what we always say because we're going to crack jokes. And then uh, another podcast called Fucking Boo which it's uh, comics, people, whatever. It could be any industry. Your best bombing story. Oh, my God. That's oh, hilarious. God. That's amazing. Fucking that's boo. <laughs> Fucking boo. That's awesome. I, Todd, make sure we get that one so that we can post that up there so we can find that because we're going to have to go. We're having to check yeah. that out. Okay. 
For you know, sure. you talk about the bombing story. It's like Brad Pitt. Everybody has a bombing story. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. So All we right, guys. appreciate your time. Thank you Thanks so for having much. you guys. Yes. Have a good one, Jay. Yeah, we were. I think we were talking about this the other day, and then like uh, two weeks ago, um, you know, we, we were just talking about like people's bombing story. Like, it's, yeah. I, I, like last, I think uh, we recorded a couple days ago, and I was just like, look, I don't want to hear about your your successful uh, right? sets that you had. Like, you're supposed. First of all, you're supposed to have them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, even if you're a shitty comedian, you're <laughs> supposed to have at least some good sets. You know what I'm saying? Right. But when you if you open up with like, man, I had a terrible show. Yo, I'm buying you a drink so I can hear this story. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and usually it's not even your performance. I want to hear like, if you were just like, yeah, man, the producer got drunk during the show, went up, or the host got drunk during the show, went up on stage and did like 20 minutes in between comics. I want to hear all of that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to, I, I love hearing bad show experiences. You know, so yeah, I would man, that's a good idea for Jay to have that up, the boo, the fucking boo podcast. Uh, but then, but then again, sometimes we hear on this show, we hear like you know we the majority of the people that are on this show that we have as guests are comedians that we know, and we always seem to somehow go down that avenue of, uh, hey. Uh, a bad set avenue, as I like to call it. Like, oh, tell me about your worst set ever, you know? So, and then when I hear about it, it's like a lot of them are the same, but kind of different, you know? It has like a nice little spin to it. Right. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, though, is I like hearing about also, you know, because it, it does build, that's that character building quality that we talk about all the time. Yeah. So it's it's always funny that that you find out because it's the, it really proves that endurance and that comics really are masochistic. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. We're like, okay, we got beat up, we got beat up, and afterwards we still got up and we said, "Fuck comedy, I'm quitting comedy." And then you get that phone call and you're like, "Okay, never mind, I'll go do that. I'll come do your show." Yeah. Yeah. You know what? And that's so relatable because I remember one time while I was living in Seattle, I actually thought about quitting comedy. Like, I remember I was in the shower. I'm just like, there was a show that I was preparing for, and I'm like, this is going to be the last show. Like, I'm just like, I'm done after this. And right. then on my way to the to the venue, I got a, a email from somebody who was like, hey, you want to do this comedy show like out in Portland? And I was like, oh, I get to be on the road. Okay. And, and I was just like, yep, okay. And then I was like, that's gonna be my last show. Like, I'm gonna end with a bang. And then, you know, of course, opportunities keep creating yourself. Like, if you're doing well on stage and people see that, and, you know, sometimes, you know, people just be like, oh, I saw this show with this one guy, he's very funny. Like, word travels, you know, like, like right. word travels. Right. And, and other, and even as a producer, you know, I see producers here in New York all the time, you know, I that are comics and, Oh man, there's this one guy who I saw that is improving so well, and you know, before I know it, I see their name on a flyer, you know, or like, okay, they're gonna give this person a chance, and then I'll go to the show and I'll check it out, and uh, not just to see if you know I was right for the most part, but also to see how this you know this particular comic has improved. So I get to see a lot of that, and it makes me happy that there's actually comics that 
I would take a chance on and maybe a few other people take a chance on, but they also flourish. And I'm just like, you know what? Um, it, 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 it's, it's great. It's just, it's, I love watching young comics grow. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, and I think that that's one of those things where, you know, when you go to something like an open mic and you see, you always see that um, egotistical, uh, arrogant, comp, new open micer who's like, I'm a comic. And you're like, somebody who's really been seasoned professionals, we're kind of like, cool. And, and in the back of our minds, we're like, come back and see me in three years. You yeah. know, because most people, most people don't make it past that, that one year mark or the two year mark. Yeah. If they, they hit it hard and hard and then they realize, holy shit, this is a lot of fucking work and it's a lot of grind and it takes a lot of commitment. That's, I don't have the time for this. I want something else. And there's not, you know, there's so much that you put into it to get punched in the face and get told no a lot that it's hard. I, I find it hilarious sometimes when a comic feels like I have to go up 300 times a year in order, and I'm just like, no, not necessarily, because if you're if you're eating shit 75% of the time, then you're just basically all those other you're just wasting your time, like yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, if you're now if you're gonna improve and crush and write new jokes and then go up and and at least do well, you know that 75% of the time then okay, more power to you. You know, it's it's you exercising, you know, you working out, whatever. That That's great. I have no problem with that. But I kind of feel like there are some young comics uh, that are just like, if I'm not on stage, I'm not, uh, not going to get better. And it's like, well, you also need to space yourself. Give yourself some time to, you know, give yourself... It's okay to get yourself a night off. Right. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to be less funny... If, yeah. you know, you take a night off or even a couple of nights off. Shit, there's been times where I've taken two weeks off and then I'll come back and I'll, and I'll just, I'll do an open mic and then I'll come to a realization, shit, I didn't even lose a step. Or I may like forget a couple of punchlines, but for the most part, I was like, oh, I still got it. I can still make people laugh even being away for two weeks because I'm doing something else or whatever. But, you know, I, 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 you know, I'll run into these comics. I was just like, yeah, man, I, like how many, like they'll ask me how many times have I been on stage like this year or last year? And I'm just, and, and I keep track. I do, but it's not like, I only keep track because I, I'm making a graph for myself. I have like a five-year graph of like how many times I've been on stage. And in 2020, I'm surprised I even performed yeah, comedy at all. But, um, but I, I have a graph, and, and I'll, I'll say something like, I'll be, it'll be like May, and I'll probably be like, I've probably been on stage like 30 times. Yeah. Oh, man, I've been on stage like 100 and, you know, 30 times, and I'm just like, oh, wow, congratulations. And I, then you see that, and, 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 that's, and again, that's good that you're able to yeah. get on those open mics and get on those shows, but it's just like, if you go up on stage and you're, and, and it's like, okay, you, and I watch you, and I'm like, you're, you're sucking, it's like, oh, okay, like, but what was the point of that conversation? Like, what, do, what, were, yeah. what were you trying to tell me? How about you, know you take it back? Instead of wor- worrying about the quantity of time you're on stage, go back and write some shit and worry about the quality of time you're on stage. Exactly. You know? right. it's, it's a muscle like any other muscle. Sometimes you need to rest it, but sometimes you need to. It's, you know what? Today was a leg day. Instead of getting on stage, get your ass back and, and start writing jokes. Yeah. And, and 
rewriting jokes and finding out how you can punch it up a little and make it funnier and, you know, I, work on your craft. I actually had a funny idea today that I was going to write down something and I opened the app and as soon as I opened the app to write it down, I forgot what I was going to write down. I'm so mad at myself. I, I was, I've been stressed because like I, I said, I have a, a show this Friday, tomorrow, and uh, I haven't. I was on stage once this week, but I haven't been on stage for a while. And so I, and if I've been on off stage for a while, I started having anxiety and nightmares and shit. Like I go to get on stage and I have no idea what I'm going to say. I haven't written out a set list. I've got nothing going and I'm freaking out in my dream. And all of a sudden I wrote two jokes. I pulled it like they, were, they weren't jokes. They were stories that I've told before in the past, but I've just like, what in conversational, not on stage. Right. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so funny. And I was so excited. I couldn't wait to go. Like, I got to try these out on stage. And I woke up and I'm like, I've got to write them down. I went to go get my phone to play, and I couldn't fucking for the life of me, remember what they were. And there's awesome. stories that I've told plenty of times. And I just, I'm like, fuck. So I'm still trying to remember them. And, and it doesn't help guys. You know, the older you get, it's just that brain fog, and it's really true. You do forget shit. It's harder yeah. to remember, especially if you don't, if you're not doing it on a regular basis. It's easier to forget these things. Yeah, I, I have on a few occasions woke up in the middle of the night because I had a dream of a joke, and I would just write it down. Like yeah. not, not. I would just write down like the little details of it. I won't write down the whole joke because, like, really? when I'm on the train. That's where I do most of my joke Watch. writing. Yeah. Um, I do most of it while on the way to work, on the way back, or you know, while I'm at my second job, I'll have like that second cup of like, well, fourth cup of coffee of the day, and that's where I'm just like writing stuff down. But yeah, it's I'll write down like, oh, this is what happened in the dream, and then on the way there, I would kind of like piece together everything and try to make the premises that I have funny. Um, and that's the one thing that I miss about living in New York is I used to do a lot of my writing on the train. Like if I'm going from, I, I'm, I'm surprised of all the writing I've done while I was living in Seattle, because for the most part, I'm in my car or I'm at work where I don't have time to write. So I am amazed that I was able to find almost any kind of time to write any of the jokes that I had. And then here it's like, I'm always writing or I'm always thinking of like the next joke. So, and, and, and again, I'm on the train, you know, a good maybe four hours out of the day, I'm on the train. So it's just like, that's the hours that I'm like, put because I don't really write at home. When I'm here, I'm like doing relaxing. like produce, I mean, I'm relaxing, I'm producing shit or whatever, working on some shit. But it's like, when I'm at home, I'm just like, I can't, for some reason I can't really write jokes at home. Thanks for tuning into another episode of It's Not About You with Jamal, Marianne, and Cousin Todd. Be sure to check them out on all their social medias at Not About You Pod.